Well, some of us don't want it to snow, but the first major snowstorms of the season marched across the Great Plains and the Dakotas last week. This week is Winter Hazard Awareness Week in Minnesota. And Christine Chapin of the State Department of Public Safety tells us how to work, travel, and play safe in the months to come. So bundle up, sit back, and enjoy it all on Jet Streaming from Minnesota Public Radio News. Hello once again, weather fans. I'm Kathy Wurzer, host of Minnesota Public Radio's Morning Edition program. Paul Hutner is still on assignment, but I am joined in studio by University of Minnesota meteorologist and climatologist Dr. Mark Seeley and Minnesota Public Radio's own meteorologist Craig Edwards. Mark and Craig, how are you? Doing fine, Kathy. Getting ready for winter. Oh. Getting in a winter mindset here. Have you put your lights out yet, Craig? No, I haven't, and I'm one of those people that starts to take this seriously. You ever heard of seasonal affective disorder? Sure. I could t- be talked to that real quickly. I tell you. No, I know. <laughs> you look out the window and see gray skies and snow cover, you're going, uh, it's, it could be in for a long haul here, so we'll see what happens. We probably are. Well, weather headlines, friends, thousands of Cubans are returning to homes demolished by Hurricane Paloma. Cuba already is struggling to recover from major hurricanes Gustav and Ike, which roared through the island barely a week apart back in late August and early September. The hurricane washed out fishing villages, ripped the roofs off of factories, and ravaged roads. But the government reported that no one was killed. Cuba has suffered almost $10 billion in damages from the three hurricanes that hit the island earlier this year. Meanwhile, the Upper Plains continue to dig out from their first major winter storm of the season, complete with power outages and mail delivery delays in the western Dakotas. A layer of ice and nearly a foot of snow made some Nebraska highways treacherous on Tuesday. It was all part of a storm system that interfered with Minnesota schools, and two people died after a pair of accidents on icy roads in southern Minnesota, including a teenager whose car collided with a snowplow. Yesterday, by the way, November 11, was also the anniversary of the 1940 Armistice Day blizzard. That powerful storm killed 154 people across the Great Lakes and the Upper Midwest. 49 people alone died in Minnesota back in 1940. 17 inches of snow fell across portions of Iowa, and the barometer dipped to 28.66 inches of mercury in Duluth, Minnesota. That is low. Below zero temperatures and gale force winds made the blizzard one of the most destructive in Upper Midwest history. Now, you remember, you, I was going to say, you don't remember this, Mark. You're, you're too young. However, you being the climatologist slash weather, uh, weather historian that you are, certainly know all this story. I've studied it, yes. It had many unique attributes. Uh, at one time, snowfall intensity was over three inches per hour, which is very, very unusual for our region. And the uh, rapid onset of the storm, that's the other thing that, uh, in fact, part of the fatality uh associated with all those duck hunters was because it, it really moved in so quickly. And temperatures that, were in the 60s, weren't they at the time? It, well, they were, it was a mild start to the day, and uh, conditions deteriorated so rapidly, there wasn't much time to respond. So anybody who was slow to respond regarding that storm found themselves in serious trouble. And, of course, nowadays we have uh, winter weather advisories, winter storm warnings, Craig Edwards. We have a pretty good weather warning system. Yeah, Kathy, we, we've got a good opportunity to get information to the people that are paying attention. One of the things that concerns me is that if we have an event, we haven't had one in a long time, where we actually get people to work or school in the morning hours, 
And as Mark noted at this storm that developed rapidly on the Armistice Day storm, that you get something going, say, at 9 or 10 o'clock, and the conditions get uh, worse quickly, you you can have people trapped in schools and uh, and factories and uh, business offices and shopping retail stores. So you could have quite a situation if we have a similar type of storm that occurs at the wrong time of the day. Well, de- winter is definitely creeping across the bulk of the United States. And once again, it is Winter Hazard Awareness Week here in Minnesota. Appropriate because, of course, we had the storm move through. Here to run us through the basics on fighting the frigid weather is Christine Chapin. She's the public information officer for the Minnesota Department of Public Safety. Christine, welcome Good to morning, Just Dreaming. Good morning, Kathy. Good to talk with you. Well, you know what? For folks even who don't live in Minnesota but often hear weather warnings and winter weather advisories and watches and that kind of thing, What's the difference between all of that in terms of terminology? Oh, you know, you have the two biggest experts in the world sitting right next to you um, with regard to watches and warnings. And I would love to have uh, maybe Craig um, address that issue because he's, he's, he's the man. All right, Craig, go ahead. Well, I can tell you this much, that the National Weather Service over the course of years has tried to simplify this because they know people are on the run and they're, they're not always capturing the complete information. Sometimes they interpret it wrong. So the National Weather Service this year has gone to a terminology called winter weather advisories, which is a inconvenience or a nuisance or something that's going to create a hazardous travel. And they've, they've lumped into that the uh, ice situation, the sleet situation, the snow situation, uh, type of blowing snow, wind chills, to call it winter weather advisory. When you go to an event that's uh, more extreme, uh, possibly shutting down travel, that will be to a warning situation. So you go from an advisory to a warning. Now, a winter storm watch means something is possible in the next 36 to 48 hours. So you lead up to that with a winter storm watch, then you can follow that with an advisory, which is a lesser intensity event. Winter storm warning would be a, an event that's going to be more dramatic, possibly shutting down travel. Christine, I um, have kind of a follow-up for you um, one thing that that uh, we're all going through right now is sort of this psychological transition to the winter season and i know there's a, a vast array of um, themes uh, or if you will bullet points that public safety likes to emphasize with the public but two that i particularly like to emphasize when we go through this transition are slow down allow more time make that a part of your daily schedule uh, in this region during the winter season, allow more time. Secondly is layer your clothing because what we start out with in the morning may likely change by the afternoon or evening uh, and you need to have some flexibility there. But what are some of the bullet points or themes that you like to stress as we go through this transition? Well, one at one of the very first places where we notice um, the transition to winter, uh, as Kathy just mentioned, we have lost two lives already in Minnesota and southern Minnesota this uh, this weekend um, is in, is in your car because you have been driving all summer and all fall and everything's fine and one morning without warning you get out there and those roads are slick and psychologically you're not ready for it. One of the very, very most important things, as you said, is slow down. Allow more time so you don't have to hurry in your car. Leave more room between yourself and the car in front of you. The minute you notice that those roads are not dry and the temperatures are not stable, please just leave more room between yourself and the other vehicles. It will um, save you a lot of trouble in many situations. Most importantly, 
please always, always, always wear that seat belt because even a little tap from somebody who isn't leaving enough room um, can cause you an enormous amount of trouble if you're not wearing a seat belt. And the other thing uh, that we really need to stress is snow plows. The plows will be out sometimes when there isn't, you know, there doesn't need to be three feet of snow to uh, to have the, those plows out there. And people aren't accustomed to having them around when the seasons make this transition. We can't stress enough. These these machines, these are not nice friendly tinker toy things out there to help you, you know, that are that are that are nice. These are monstrous heavy pieces of machinery and they cannot stop quickly. So as drivers, uh the minute we start seeing them on the roads in the late fall and early winter, it's our job to avoid those things. You have to stay away from them because they can't drive around you, they can't switch direction quickly, and they can't stop quickly. And they are lethal. If you come in contact with them, you will lose. So those are really um, some of the most important things we want to look at right away is the, is the driving tips. Of course, that's what happened to the 17-year-old uh, who was killed yesterday, uh, I should say uh, Tuesday, with a the car snowplow accident in the Twin Cities. You know, I'm also thinking about this, Christine, that um, I, I have yet to put my winter safety kit in the trunk of my car. However, I will. And I'm always curious as to what to put in it. I have just a, a, I have a blanket and I have some munchies, but I think I probably need some more. Uh, well, items, don't I? Yeah, just just a few things. You know, I was I was laughing yesterday with a friend talking, telling someone I was going to do this uh, this um, recording, this podcast, and talk about winter safety kits. She doesn't have one in her car, and I said, you know, I didn't either until a few years ago, uh, coming back from southern Minnesota, uh, two lane blacktop, dark as the inside of a cat, and getting cold, and I hit a deer. Ooh! And I was by myself, Ooh. and it totaled the front end of my van. And I thought, well, this could be a very long night. And since then, um, I was fortunate. There was, there was hardly any traffic at all, but I was helped by some people who came along. Um, but since then, I have carried with me uh, that extra blanket, um, some candles, a flashlight, uh, some extra water, uh, a little first aid kit. You never know. Um, a couple of big plastic garbage bags because they can be used for insulation if you need them to keep to keep yourself or other things dry, and some uh, some snack bars, you know, snack candy bar kinds of things. Um, you also, you know, if you want to go the whole route, some road flares, uh, a bag of sand, if you need to dig yourself out somewhere, um, will also be helpful. But those very basic things that you need to stay warm, to stay dry, and to have light and um, food for several hours, you really, really need to think about putting that in the car. Because, you know, I didn't expect to hit that deer. You never expect these things to happen. Right. But uh, it, uh, it taught me a lesson that I, that I won't forget. Craig? It was nasty out there. Wow. Craig? <laughs> Well, I think one of the things that perhaps has given us a false sense of security when we travel outside the metropolitan areas into rural areas is the fact that we carry a cell phone with us. We have a communication device. Fifteen years ago, you were out there on your own, and I think you did prepare better for in case you got isolated. But now I think people say, well, I've got a cell phone. I'll just call somebody. If something happens, they can come and get me. But you could be out there isolated, and uh, people can't get to you. So uh, we, we continue to stress that if you're going to travel, 
Let somebody know you're on the road. Let somebody know what time you're expected to be there. So if you're not there, they can raise some concern. And I guess for the most part, they can reach you through a cell phone. But Christine, moving on, I'd like to ask you about the dangers of carbon monoxide. I still see people in my neighborhood lifting up the garage door, starting their car and keeping the car in the garage while the car is warming up. Can you tell us a little bit about the dangers of that? It's a it's a very very bad idea. Um, most particularly, of course, if you're a, if your garage is attached to your home, um, people warm up their cars in the wind. And you know, when it's 20 below, it's really tempting to do that, but it's extremely unwise. Um, the let, let me start with the, the fact there's some, been some changes in Minnesota. Uh, in 2006, the legislature passed a law requiring carbon monoxide alarms in homes in Minnesota, and some of this unwise behavior is, is one of the reasons. Uh, use of portable heaters inside the home um, and some other things that people do that put themselves in danger. So this new law is going into effect in 2008 and 2009 um, that will require every residence to have carbon monoxide alarms in place within 10 feet of every sleeping area in the home. Um, by August 1st, 2009, everybody, multi-family homes, apartments, condos, and single-family homes, new and existing, will need to have CO alarms in place. Um, some, of the, some of the reasons, of course, I think 66 people in the last five years have died in non-fire-related, unintentional, CO-related um, incidents in Minnesota. That is a lot of people who simply didn't get the warning that this poisonous gas was building up. Um, and, of course, you wouldn't because it's colorless and odorless and you just sleep away. That's right. Most people simply are killed in their sleep, um, and usually by uh, some kind of badly, uh, you know, a, a badly operating furnace or, as I said, the wrong kind of heater being used inside. One of the things that, that I learned as I began to talk with my fire marshal people about this law and about safety measures is that carbon monoxide isn't something that is produced by your furnace or by that heater. Carbon monoxide is produced when anything burns. A match in your hand is producing carbon monoxide. The point is that it has to burn very efficiently in order to produce very low amounts of carbon monoxide. That's why you get your furnace checked. That's why you keep your uh, fireplace flue clean and allow for proper ventilation and take measures to keep that gas from building up because wherever anything is on fire, carbon monoxide is going to be present. The CO alarm will detect that when it reaches dangerous levels and will let you know that you need to open all the windows and get out of the house as fast as you can. Christine, one of the other uh, elements of uh, winter safety that I've always been sensitive to is I get a lot of calls from school administrators. In fact, invariably each winter I do. And uh, they're concerned about the young children either out at the bus stop or being released for recess and things like that, given the occasions that we have serious wind chill considerations. Uh, I always like to play it conservative, minus 15 to minus 20 at least, if, if it's in that range. People should know, parents and school administrators should know, that uh, children uh, are subject then to frostbite. 
And yeah. uh, I'm not I'm not saying they necessarily need to cancel recess, but certainly they need to be uh, uh, sensitive to that because let's face it, a lot of children as they go out for the bus or go out to recess. They don't leave the mittens on. They don't leave the hat on, or, or you know what I mean. They, they, mm-hmm. they, uh, they have more freedom without all those uh, clothes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, the most important thing, as you said, you know, awareness is what saves people. Um, that's one of the reasons that we build that website sponsored by the Department of Public Safety at winterweather.state.mn.us with all of these tips just to help people build awareness with regard to frostbite, as you said, layering clothing. The gloves inside the mittens um, will help those little fingers, and warm socks will help those toes. Children are especially um, uh, in danger from frostbite because they don't pay attention. You know, they'll take off the clothes or they just won't pay attention. They'll be out there until uh, damage has occurred and they don't even realize it until it's too late. The tips of their noses and the tips of their little ears and their earlobes can get damaged so quickly. So it's important to watch for the symptoms. Frostbite um, will cause loss of feeling and a, and a kind of whitish, pale appearance um, in fingers and toes and, and tips of noses and earlobes and places like that. Watch for that as an adult. Uh, keep track of your kids Watch for those symptoms, and the best thing that you can do is get them inside and rewarm them slowly. Um, it's the best thing that you can do about frostbite, really. As much as we don't want to think about all of this, we have to. So you did a great job running through all of these tips for us, Christine. Thanks so much. Well, thank you for, for uh, you know helping us bring this to people's attention because it's, it's really so easy to prepare and so easy to take care of yourself and, uh, and so hard to face the, the dangers that occur if you don't. Right. Thanks. Good luck. Thank you. Christine Chapin is with the Minnesota Department of Public Safety here on Jet Streaming. I'd love to hear some real thunder, actually, instead of... Although thunder <laughs> snow is possible around it, here. It is. It's rare, but it's yeah. possible. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll, just, I'll get off of that. Anyway, <laughs> how about the weather website of the week, kids? What do you think? Well, along the line of uh, winter weather safety, Kathy, I think it's appropriate... Uh, not only that we talk to the adults out there, but the children. And, and one of the uh, websites that's tailored to children to learn more about winter weather and winter weather safety is the good old Weather Channel. If you go to the Weather Channel Kids, all one word, dot com slash weather, you'll be able to uh, get uh, access, and this is for, written specifically for school age children. To all that good information in terms of the types of winter weather, uh, how the weather service alerts us, and what precautions we can take, specifically written for children. So I would encourage those children out there or parents with children to use that website. Well, you know, that sounds kind of a neat thing for kids to go ahead and learn about winter. But, you know, maybe, um, do you think we were too negative today? When it comes to talking about the winter, I get some I, of that feedback, uh, Mark. I, uh, the people yeah. say we, people live in Minnesota here because they like this uh, cross country skiing. They like snow. They like snow coming early, like Thanksgiving, and it gives them a long season of rec- recreational outdoor activities yeah, in the winter true. season. So I think maybe next time we talk a little bit more about the the fun side of winter. I agree a hundred percent. As long as we give safety a consideration. Uh, Minnesotans, in fact, all across the Great Lakes region, we really enjoy the outdoor recreation opportunities this climate affords. Well, 
I'm looking forward to Acapulco. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) Don't forget, you can always drop us a line if you have a question, a weather-related question, please, or a comment about the program by going to the Jet Streaming webpage at minnesotapublicradio.org. Mark and Craig, thank you. Have a good day. Thank you, Kathy. That's it for Jet Streaming this week. For Mark, Craig, Paul, producers Jim Bickle and P. Ray Rudolph, and of course... Ace Sound Guy Scooter Hibzinski. I'm Kathy Warzer. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep an ear here to Jet Streaming and, of course, your weather eye on the sky. <laughs>